For the next four weeks, we're going to be uh, doing a series over Christmas and uh, uh, talking about who Christ is and that He has a name, folks. His name's Jesus. Everybody wants to avoid the fact that He has a name. Even when we pray out loud, you can use the name of God, but don't use the name of Jesus. It's Jesus. He's got a name. All the Old Testament prophets, all the prophecies talked about a Messiah coming. But when the angel stood in front of Mary and told her, told her what his name's going to be, he's got a name. His name's Jesus. In Jesus, all of those things are fulfilled. All the promises are fulfilled. And for the next four weeks, we're going to celebrate that. You ready to have some warm and fuzzy celebration services? It's not easy for me to do warm and fuzzy, folks. But we're going to do some four weeks of warm and fuzzy celebration, happiness, to know that Jesus, our Savior, our Messiah, is born. And what that means to us. Now, it's a wonderful time. It's the most wonderful time according to uh, our culture that we live in. And It's a Wonderful Life was on television last night on NBC. Who watched that? Oh. Well, I was kind of torn. I usually watch it, but I did watch the first Big Ten championship in football. Who watched that? That was a good game. But put your hands down. So I flip back and forth. I, since I got to go to the play and see It's a Wonderful Life. Anyway, you start hearing this term wonderful all the time. Wonderful. It's a wonderful thing. If you turn to Isaiah chapter 9 with me this morning, we're going to get there in just a minute. But listen to these, these lyrics of the most wonderful time of the year. With kids jingle belling and everyone telling you be of good cheer. I don't know what a jingle belling kid is, but I'd like to see one. <laughs> it's the hap happiest season of all. With those holiday greetings and gay happy meetings with friends come to call. It's the happiest season of all, folks. I told Carla this morning in the first service, I said, hey, would you do me a favor? She said, what? I said, every day when you come into the office from now on, if I ask you uh, how you're doing today, you're supposed to respond to me with it. Good. It's the happiest season of all. So it's just the term happiest is weird, isn't it? But it makes me happy when I hear happiest season of all. Everybody say happiest once. Just makes me feel it. It puts a smile on your face, doesn't it? Be parties for a hosting, marshmallows for a toasting, and caroling out in this, which we almost did go caroling Friday night with our, our board and staff Christmas party. We had our ugly sweaters on, our ugly Christmas sweaters, and we said, you know what, we ought to go caroling. I said, let's just go to random people's houses in these things and just carol, and we thought about it, but we didn't do it. <laughs> marshmallows for toasting, can we get an amen for that? Oh, all this good stuff, everything, the, the tales of the glories of Christmases long, long ago. It's the most wonderful time of year. There, there'll be, be much mistletoeing. <laughs> Hearts will be glowing when loved ones are near. It's the most wonderful time. Listen, folks, we living in the next four weeks. It's supposed to be a happy time. And now everybody says, oh, Pastor Bob, everything's so commercialized now. And listen, it's always been commercialized. It's not really Jesus' birthday. You realize that, right? It's always been commercialized. It's a specified time. Nobody knows when his birth was. It's a specified time. I think they estimated it would actually have been in like late summer, fall or something. But it's, I don't know when it was. I wasn't there. Some of you kids probably think I was, but I wasn't. It's the happiest season of all. We should be joyful. By, some people might get upset because we have Christmas trees up here, which, by the way, those of you that decorated last Sunday, thank you for the help. I think we had close to 40 people here. Pizza works, folks. <laughs> Pizza works, and so does the people that show up and put up decorations. But anyway, some people get upset about all the commercialization and everything else. Say whatever you want about Christmas. Say whatever you want about all of it. But the fact of the matter is, over the next four weeks, the world's got an open ear more than they ever have before to hear the gospel message of Jesus Christ. 
And it's our responsibility as the church to hear that message, to be joyful about it, and to be excited about it because we know what He's done in our lives. He's got a name, folks. It's not just Xmas. It's Jesus Christmas. It's Jesus. It's Him. Okay, I know it was a poor joke, but that's just what it is. It's Christmas, but it points to Christ. Amen? And that's what we're going to look at this morning. That's what I'm excited about because uh, people lose focus. And when people lose focus, you get this. And which would be the winner of the ugly sweater competition. Look at the tassel on his arm. The Christmas tree did light up, and those are real gifts on his belly. And Misty will make you one if you want. And there are currently bids for $200, and last I heard is going up for this thing. So, really nice. Listen, even though this is what we looked like on Friday, all right? Even though this is how all of us looked, and, I did, and the other board members are happy that we didn't put their pictures up. But even though Jason was the winner, even though this is what we looked like, even though Stanley Beard was thought to be Santa Claus by a small child at Maple Corner, <laughs> we had a good time. Because we had a joyful time, but the joy in our hearts is from Christ. It's not a temporary happiness thing of just going and having a steak, which was very good, by the way. Followed up with, with games and fun that we had. No, we have joy in our hearts because of Jesus Christ. And if we're going to be joyful, if you're going to wear something like that, you better be pointing to Jesus. <laughs> Let's look in Isaiah and see what Isaiah has to say. Isaiah is a, is, a, is a popular passage. When we start talking about Christmas, Isaiah chapter 9, we, before we read 9, verse, uh, chapter 8 is, is speaking about judgment and all these things and, and how God was not pleased with Israel and and things were dark. I mean, they were going to go into bondage, all this stuff. It, things were dark because they had turned away from God. They'd followed other gods. They'd done all these horrible things. And, and, then, and then verse 1 of chapter 9 starts out like this. Nevertheless. <laughs> Why am I happy about Christmas? Nevertheless. You know, nevertheless, it's kind of like that parent that has to discipline a kid and says, you did this wrong, you did this wrong, and you're never going to do it again, and I'm going to make you remember it so you don't do it again. Nevertheless, I love you, and this is for your good, and I'm going to give you hope that this is going to pass, and we're going to get along fine, and everything's going to go good. God's looking at him, and even though they tell him all this stuff's going to happen, through Isaiah the prophet, he uses the word nevertheless. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, but in the future, he will honor Galilee of the Gentiles by the way of the sea along the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. You say, why, Pastor Bob, are you excited and happy about Christmas? It's not about the trees. It's not about the gifts. It's not about Santa Claus and all this stuff. I'm excited because a light has dawned. Amen. A light has dawned. We celebrate Christmas because of the fact that a light has dawned. That in dark places when things were in dim, uh, dim and despair and in gloom, that God said, nevertheless, I love you. And I'm going to give to you a light. 
When things are dark and hopeless, folks, when you've you've messed your life up, when you've failed, when you've sinned, when you've made a mess of things, God says, nevertheless, I'm giving you a light. There's excitement in that passage because for Israel, there's hope. For you and I, there's hope. And when I start looking at a little light in the form of a baby that comes into the world, we all of a sudden realize, hey, this is the fulfillment of all the promises that he just made to us. There really is hope. And hope now has taken on flesh and blood. Hope now has veins for the blood, the precious blood that would be spilled for that blood to be pumped through that body. Hope now has a heart in the chest of this child, a very being of hope and love to express himself, express the Father to mankind that's in darkness. Hope now has feet that would walk to the Gentiles, walk to those that are lost and hurting and dying, and and hands that can touch and to heal. A body that would be placed on a cross for my sins. Why do I celebrate Christmas? Because he has a name. His name is Jesus Christ. He's fulfilled all of these promises. He's fulfilled everything that Isaiah said. He's fulfilled everything that Jeremiah said. He's fulfilled everything that Ezekiel said. He's fulfilled all the prophets, everything that was said. He's come and He's fulfilled it all and He's died on the cross for my sin. Do you want to know why I celebrate Christmas? you want to know why I'm happy? Because He has a name. His name is Jesus. He is the promise. He's fulfilled it all and today we celebrate that. And for the next four weeks we're going to celebrate who He is. We even see in Matthew chapter 4 Verse 12, where Matthew says that he fulfilled this promise, Jesus did. When Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he returned to Galilee, leaving Nazareth. He went and lived in Capernaum, which was by the lake in the area of Zebulun and Naphtali, to fulfill what was said through the prophet Isaiah, the land of Zebulun, the land of Naphtali, the way to the sea, along the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. From that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent, For the kingdom of heaven is near. He went to dark places, folks. A light intentionally goes into dark places, doesn't it? Have you ever been in a cave before? And they shut the lights out? I went with Alyssa last year. What's the one down south, down southern Indiana? What is that one? The big one. Marengo. Thanks for the help. None of you helped me. (laughs) Marengo Cave. We went down there and I was with a field trip on Alyssa. Parents, have you ever a chance to go on a field trip with your, with your kids when they're in sixth grade and you can embarrass the daylights out of them? Do it. It's exciting. But anyway, we go down this cave and I'm in the cave and they say, okay, now we're going to shut the lights off. And they shut the lights off and I'm going. And the kids are going, Aah! and they're screaming and they're grabbing a hold of my hands and stuff. And I'm going, it's all right. And I'm thinking, turn the lights on. I never liked darkness anyway when I was a little kid. I always had to have the door open, the hall light on, or the bathroom light. Mom and Dad would fight, get up, shut the bathroom light off after I was asleep. And even though I was asleep, I knew the light was off, and I'd wake up and turn it back on again. I didn't like the darkness. A light is taken into the darkness for the the purpose of dispelling and dispersing the darkness. Can I get an amen? Jesus came in the form of a little light, a little baby. But can I tell you what? He grew up, folks. He got big. Scripture says they've seen a great light. There's a great light in Jesus Christ that's come into this world, and this is why we celebrate. 2,000 years ago, he was spoken about. 2,000 years ago, he had been spoken before that, but 2,000 years ago, he was born into this earth, and God finally flipped the switch, flipped the switch of his grace into humanity. He had talked about it 4,000 years prior to that, and now here all of a sudden he goes, my son is born. A light comes into the world, and today we know him as Jesus Christ. 
You think Israel was excited to hear that hope and that promise? Today, He's manifest to us. I kind of like the thought. Even though I've not seen Him face to face yet, and I say yet because I will. Even though I have not seen Him face to face yet, I have seen Him in my spirit. Why do I celebrate Christmas? Why am I excited? Why am I excited that He has a name? Because I know who to praise for coming into the darkness of my life and shining His light into my heart. It wasn't some random act that we don't know who it is, folks. We know who He is now. His name is Jesus. And His name, Jesus, means Jehovah saves. Every time the name of Jesus is spoken, it's proclaiming that Jehovah saves. That excites me. Let's move on. Next, we celebrate Jesus because of the promises He brings with Him. Now, verse 3. Verse 3. You have enlarged the nation and increase their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as men rejoice when dividing the plunder. <laughs> a light is shown into this dark world, and now you're saying very clearly that He's enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as men rejoice with dividing the plunder. It's talking about the blessing of God. And who is it that blesses? Who does the blessing come through? It comes through Jesus. He's got a name, folks. His name is Jesus. Why do I keep repeating the name? Because there's power in that name. And I'm going to keep repeating it for the next four weeks until all of us realize this holiday season isn't about Santa Claus. It isn't about the Grinch. It's not about Jimmy Stewart and It's a Wonderful Life. It's about... You're starting to get the hang of it. Listen to this. It says that we will plunder the enemy. Men rejoice. We rejoice because we're plundering the enemy. What does that mean? It means everything that we've given away, everything that we've allowed our sin to come into our lives and destroy has all been restored in Jesus. Every ounce of it. Why do we celebrate at Christmas? Because we celebrate because the promise was born into this life in, in, in bodily form. The Son of God born to take away my sin and to give back what the enemy stole from me. Remember that old song? Went to the enemy's camp and I took back what he stole from me. You know what? I take it back because Jesus is powerful. Amen. No longer are my talents used for the devil. No longer is my, my personality used for him. No longer is anything that God has given me been distorted and perverted for his use. It's been taken back. It's been put in right order because of Jesus Christ. And we rejoice and we're blessed because of the work that he's done on the cross. Let's keep looking. Verse 4. For as the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Secondly, he promises freedom. Who does? Jesus does. Says, says you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders. Jesus told us that his yoke is easy and his burdens light. He's taken the yoke of sin, the enemy, the oppression off of us because of the work he's done on the cross. Who did? Did my mom give me that gift? No, Jesus gave me that gift. I celebrate Jesus for the next four weeks. Well, I celebrate him every day. But for the next four weeks, we focus on it. Come on, folks, you're going to have to loosen up. The early crowd was even more excited than you are. And they were half asleep. 
The yoke of slavery has been broken. You say, why are you excited, Pastor Bob? Why are you happy? I'm happy because I no longer carry around the yoke of slavery and sin in my life. I no longer carry around the burden and the oppression of the enemy. I no longer am bound to the bondages that I used to be bound to. He broke those, those things that depressed me, those things that frustrated me, those things that hurt me, those things that, that bothered me are broken in Jesus Christ. He broke them, they're gone. I don't have to live that way anymore. It's gone. And I celebrate that today. This one excites me. Verse 5. This is good. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. We've seen a great light. And we already know the great light's name is Jesus. All of your battle wounds... All of your scars, all of your stained garments, all of your sin-stained garments are gone. He said, I'm going to throw them in the fire. They're thrown in the fire as far away, as far, 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 far away as the east is from the west. <laughs> Cast into the sea of forgetfulness, never to be seen again, folks. Listen to me. You may not be excited about a lot of this, but one thing you should be excited about is the fact that only through Jesus Christ, your blood-stained garments, your garments of, of sin and, and your garments of warfare and your garments of ugliness against God is all thrown into a fire, never to be seen again. It's gone. Nailed to the cross. Hallelujah. Why do I celebrate Christmas? He's got a name. His name is Jesus. And He took away my sins. He took his light and he shined it into my heart and changed my life. He began to peel off the nastiness and the filthiness of who I was. Listen, folks, I know who I am when I still wear those nasty garments. It's not a pretty sight. Oh, don't get all pious. You, do. you look the same way in yours, too. It ain't pretty, is it? It's not pretty when we live in sin, but through him, we have an opportunity to live holy. Let's look at verse 6 this morning. It says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Over the next four weeks, we're going to pull these names out and just kind of look at them. And this morning, I'd like to finish off by focusing on Wonderful Counselor. It's, it's our Wonderful Counselor. It's through Him, church, that we plunder the enemy. It's through Him that we're blessed. It's through Him that we have what we need for salvation. This morning, though, I'd like to look at him rather than just wonderful counselor. I would like to interpret it as perfect mediator. It's a perfect mediator. You say, why would you say that? Because the traditional use of a counselor was usually used as a man next to a king. The counselor would speak to the king and give wisdom to that king so the king would know how to uh, king. Anyway. So as that king's there, well, a lot of times through the scripture, you'd see, well, Josiah was only eight years old. I'm sorry, but if you have an eight-year-old that's a king, he needs a counselor. And sometimes you need counsel quite often. I know when I was in school, they, they valued my education just enough to make sure I got counseled regularly in the principal's office. <laughs> because they loved me, and they wanted to counsel me. 
and twice I was innocent. <laughs> twice. And I can tell you those stories later. But anyway, God doesn't need a counselor to tell him what to do. Isaiah 40, 13 and 14 says, Who has understood the mind of the Lord or instructed him as his counselor? Whom did the Lord consult to enlighten him and who taught him the right way? Who was it that taught him knowledge or showed him the path of understanding? So Jesus isn't a counselor in the sense that he's got to go to God and tell him everything. God's omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent. He knows all things. He established all things. And we know that Paul makes reference to this as well in verses uh, Romans 11, 34 through 36. Who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay him? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. All men. So we know that it's not that God needed a counselor. What, what, we needed a counselor. It wasn't God that needed Jesus to sit there and tell him, Now, Father, you need to do this for these people and this and this and this. We needed a counselor. That's what makes him wonderful, folks. He didn't go to a king. He didn't go get set up in high places to advise somebody with influence and authority. He came with influence and authority to the lowest place to speak to those that were in low places. Only if you saw him, some shepherds and some wise men, and then they didn't fully, totally understand. Some did and some did not. Listen, he grew up. His name is Jesus. And he came to the low places. He came to Covington, Indiana for me and my life as a boy. He came into this world to low places to speak to us, to be a wonderful counselor. A counselor isn't just full of himself and set up in high places, but a counselor that is able to love and to minister to all who are in need. You say, how do you know we were in need? Proverbs eleven fourteen says this, For the lack of guidance, a nation falls, but many advisors make victory sure. And Proverbs fifteen twenty two says, Plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors they succeed. Now you say, Pastor Bob, that's written from a father to a son explaining natural life situations where it's... It's important to seek counsel before we do things. Is that true wisdom? Is that good? That's good wisdom, isn't it? But if we put that in a spiritual context and we think about it, mankind for longs of time, long period of times, you and I growing up in our lives for a long period of times, never once asked God what he thought about what we were doing. We didn't seek his counsel. We didn't seek his direction. And many times in the Old Testament, Israel got in trouble over and over and over because they never sought God's counsel. Instead of us going to get counsel from him, he sent the wonderful counselor to us and said, you've made a mess of your life, and now I'm going to send somebody to you to fix it. He came and he showed us the Father. Jesus said, when you see me, you've seen the Father. He came and He showed us the love of the Father. He came and showed us the power of the Father. He came and showed us what holiness was. He came and He not only showed us these things, but He made a way for them. You and I, my friend, were in a horrible condition prior to Jesus coming into our lives and messing ourselves up. We had made such a horrible mess of ourselves and when Christ comes into our lives, there's a light that shows and exposes all the ugliness of who we are and now suddenly we start to see things in a different light. It's called, as in Romans, being transformed by the renewing of your mind. Why do I celebrate Christmas? I celebrate because we remember the fact that the promises were fulfilled through Jesus Christ. Our plans of religion, our plans of worldly success, our plans of everything that we have in our minds and what we think is great and perfect and wonderful, everything that we do is all just a failure, folks, apart from Jesus Christ. We need Him to be our wonderful counselor. This is where the mediator part comes in. We celebrate it because our wonderful counselor didn't go to high places, I said. He became a mediator. Hebrews 9 
verses 13 through 15 says, The blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer sprinkled on those who are ceremonially unclean sanctify them so that they are outwardly clean. How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered Himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciousness, consciences from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God? For this reason, Christ is the mediator of a new covenant, that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance now that he has died as a ransom to set them free from the sins committed under the first covenant. So the gift we celebrate through Jesus Christ, through his birth, is that our mediator had come. Our mediator had come, church. God and man were separate. And you and I could not just go to God and look at him and talk to him and fathom him. It's not possible. He's too great, He's too magnificent, He's too glorious. I could show you over and over in the Scripture where mankind was fearful of God. And Moses had to be hidden in the cleft of the rock, a symbol of Christ, because if he would have looked at God, he would have died. No man can see God and live. Listen, God is too much for us. We can't do it. So He sent Jesus Christ, a mediator. A mediator. He was both God and man, folks, 100% of both, to make a way for us. He spoke to us on His behalf and He spoke to God on our behalf. Secondly, He is the wonderful counselor because He not only advised the way or made the way, but He is the way, the truth, and the life. Galatians 3 says this, But the Scripture declares that the whole world is a prisoner of sin so that what was promised being given through faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. Before this faith came, we were held prisoners by the law, locked up until faith should be revealed. So the law was put in charge to lead us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. As I read that scripture the other day, I couldn't help but think of Isaiah chapter 9 where it's talking about being in bondage and talking about the rejoicing and and talking about the blessing and talking about the promises that were to come and how excited they were and how excited they must have been to know that there's hope. But today, we don't just have to hope for something that's not here. The hope is here in Jesus Christ. And it says that all those promises are being given through faith in Jesus Christ. He has a name. He has a name. And He is a wonderful counselor. He's not just a prophet. He's not just a teacher. He's not just a preacher. He's so much more. He went above and beyond and He did what no other leader of any religion could ever do. And that is to make a way for salvation. He died for you and I. Why do I celebrate Jesus? Because He died for what I deserved. He gave me the ultimate gift, life, life more abundantly, life everlasting, eternal life in heaven someday. Why am I excited about Christmas? Why am I happy about it? Because it speaks of my Savior, Jehovah saves, Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ. I don't even know where I'm at in my notes. Thirdly, two more points. Thirdly, he's a wonderful counselor because he not only was born into this earth, but he now dwells within all who believe. John 14, if you love me, you will obey what I command and I will ask the Father and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and he will be in you. 
I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me because I live. You also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in the Father, and you are in me, and I am in you, and we all know that that's the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, I'm not going to abandon you as orphans. I'm not going to desert you. I'm not going to leave you. I'm going to give you a counselor that can be inside of you and with you and counsel you and teach you and direct you and lead you and guide you, even to tell you things that are to come. I am going to leave you with my spirit. Why is he a wonderful counselor? Because he didn't just desert us. He didn't just come and show us the way and then leave and never speak to us again, folks. He's alive and well. He's not just a baby in a manger. And that spirit can be received according to Acts 2, verses 36 through 38. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Why am I excited about my wonderful counselor? Why am I excited about Christmas? Because he lives within me, folks. Christmas should be every day of the year for me. Joy should be every day of the year. Amen? Happiness and the presence of God should be every day of the year. And lastly, he's a wonderful counselor because he now sits at the right hand of the Father making intercession for us. It didn't just stop here on this earth. It didn't just stop with him coming to this place and ministering to us and showing us the way. It finished with him going back to the Father. He said, if you knew where I was going, if you know I'm going to the Father, you would be happy for me because my Father's greater than I am. It's in the book of John. He said, I'm going to tell one who's greater than me to tell him to give you what you need and I'm going to minister to both of you. I'm going to be in the gap for you. The counselor. Wonderful counselor. If the worship team would come up, I'm just going to close things out this morning. Listen, church, my prayer for this church and prayer for each one of us today is that we would grab a hold of and grasp what this season is for. Sure, it's all fun. Sure, buying gifts is wonderful. I told our first service, I said, I've stimulated the economy quite a bit this year. I've had my own stimulus package going on, and we've stimulated the economy quite a bit. Uh, But that's all okay. You know what? The smallest gift, the the gifts we give, the biggest thing we could even think to give is so teeny tiny and small in God's sight. It's so minimal. He gave us His Son. He gave us His Son. Now, when I was Thursday night, I got the opportunity to go with Lowell and Maxine, to go with Merrill, with uh, uh, Kenny and Rosie Ratcliffe. Rosie's my friend, Kenny's not. (laughs) Kenny wore a Purdue uh, sweater to the event and I told him that he wins the ugliest sweater of that event. Love Kenny. And also with with John and Marie and we went to uh, Myers Dinner Theater. Have you ever been there before, Myers Dinner Theater? It's good. And we heard Southern Gospel Quartet, Triumphant. Has anybody heard Triumphant before? Wow. I'm not a Southern Gospel person. I mean, I, I told Lowell Maxine, asked me, she said, you like Southern Gospel music? I said, I, it's not like my first choice, but I'm a musician. I love all music. If it's done right and it's in whatever genre it is, if it's done well, I enjoy it. I went there, man. They blew it up. It was good. 
But anyway, and the food was good too. I'm, I'm drifting off subject. But anyway, I was there and I, 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 I was expecting a phone call so I, and there's no service inside. So I had to go out the door and walk to the end of the street to get service, to check my phone and to see if there was any phone calls. So I, I looked and while I was standing there in the corner, I just kind of like this and everybody else had come out to smoke and I was just, when people think Pastor Bob's out there smoking, I'm just checking my phone. I'm checking my phone and I hear noise coming from this side and I turn and look and I, I hear some guys laughing and talking and some noise just across the street there was a bar. And I didn't think much of it, you know, and I heard them making comments and whatever and I turn around, walk back in the door. When I walk back in the door, Myers, the, the quartet had just started. And uh, I walked into a room church of, they were singing this song called Saved by Grace. And these people were just waving their hands and uh I mean, they, it, they were getting with it. I mean, they, it was pumping. I'm walking in this room and kind of doing this and looking around. And, and there's this old boy kind of down like four or five rows in front of us and over to the side. And he's going, yes, yes. And he's yelling and waving his arm and, and people all over and they're singing Saved by Grace. And, and I get up in my seat and I turn around and I sit down and I start clapping my hands, you know, and kind of bouncing my head and enjoying it and at the same time I started tearing up now people say well that's a fast song what are you tearing up on a fast song for because the spirit of God spoke to me he said Bob you have reason to rejoice you need to rejoice that you're saved by grace through faith in he has a name folks his name's Jesus Christ it's no other reason that I'm saved and not sitting in the bar across the street He said, you heard the noise over there. There's two different types of celebrations going on there, Bob. There's the fake one and there's the one that the people that truly are redeemed and saved. These people, listen folks, you and I have a reason to celebrate. We're in the promise. I'm in the promise. You say, why do you say, "I'm, I'm blessed, I'm plundering the enemy. How are you plundering the enemy? Because my money isn't going into the drugs and the alcohol. It's not going into all the stuff that the enemy's playground, that he tries to drag people in. These people on the other side of the street were medicating themselves. They were having a temporary false joy. I walked into the presence of God with brothers and sisters in Christ that were bringing praise to His name. And we were singing the name of Jesus, folks. There was joy. There was rejoicing like mentioned in Isaiah. There was happiness. There was peace. There was all of it that was going on that was said. And I sit down humbled and I just I began to praise the Lord saved by grace listen it's not anything you did it's not anything I did but it's something that we can do to celebrate it all amen coming under the blood of Christ and humbling ourselves before him and say Lord forgive me of my sins I'm a sinner I realize the needs that I have in my life listen my goal is is to get the people from the bar into the celebration oh Pastor Bob always preaching against alcohol and liquor and cigarettes listen that's, that's, that's a byproduct of the condition of the heart. Hear me, folks. People drink because of a heart condition. True? I'm not judging them because they're drinking. I'm telling them they need to get the heart condition fixed. They won't need the alcohol no more. I don't need it. I don't need the false joy. And we're the same way with Christmas. Listen, there are people that they get caught up and wrapped up in the trees and the decorations and the celebrations and the ugly sweater contests and all the stuff that Christmas brings. But listen, you've got a reason to celebrate. Don't medicate yourself with how the Grinch stole Christmas. Get happy in Jesus. He's got a name. 
The truth be told, it wasn't the spirit of Christmas that changed the Grinch's heart. There's a name. His name's Jesus. That's who the Grinch needs. Are you a Grinch this year, folks? I can change that. There's a light that'll come and take your little heart that's three sizes too small and make it the right size again. Did I just use the Grinch as I close out this service? Yes, I did. You know why? Because I'm joyful. And I'm joyful that I'm redeemed by blood divine. Glory, glory. Christ is mine. You stand with me this morning. You feel like praising Jesus with me? Do you feel like bringing praise to His name because He's got a name? And they sang it earlier. It said Jesus reigns in this place. First it says freedom reigns in this place. And then it said Jesus reigns in this place. Listen, there's a name for your freedom, folks. Freedom doesn't just happen. It comes connected to the promise that was given and the promise that manifested Himself in the form of Jesus Christ and went to the cross and made a way for you to celebrate what we're celebrating. It's okay to be joyful in the house of God when it's connected to bringing glory to Jesus Christ. Just lift your hands with me this morning. Father, we come to you. We give you praise and we thank you for the gift.